Hello, and welcome to Text and Context, a podcast where we delve into works of literature and the historical context behind them. I'm Karis, your host, and today we are looking further afield and delving into more global literature by looking at the novel Around the World in 80 Days, written by the French author Jules Verne. Around the World in 80 Days was first published in 1872 as part of a series titled Voyage Extraordinaire, which Verne was commissioned to write by Pierre-Jules Hetzel, a publisher who was also the literary agent for other famous French authors such as Victor Hugo, who was a great influence on Jules Verne himself. Around the World in 80 Days follows the characters of Phileas Fogg, a rich English gentleman, and his French valet Passepartout, as they try to circumnavigate the world in just 80 days, after Phileas Fogg makes a wager of £20,000 with his friends at the Reform Club, that he will be able to manage to make the journey successfully within that time. In order to accomplish this, Phileas Fogg and Passepartout must rely heavily on many different means of transport. They take trains, steamships, carriages, yachts, trading vessels, and even a sledge and an elephant to complete their journey in the allotted time. To add to the excitement, following them on this adventure is Detective Fix, a character who is convinced that Phileas Fogg is the gentleman who recently robbed the Bank of England of £55,000, and that travelling around the world in 80 days is just a cover-up story for getting away. As well as this, Phileas Fogg and Passepartout face a number of challenges, such as delays in their means of transport, an unfinished railway line in remote India, rescuing an Indian princess, and being attacked by the Sioux tribe when in America. Each stop along the voyage is described in so much detail. We get extensive accounts and descriptions of Suez, Bombay, Calcutta, Singapore, Hong Kong, Yokohama, San Francisco and London, and each time it feels like we ourselves are actually there. With so much travel featured in the story, it's tempting to assume that Verne was extremely well-travelled himself. However, he wasn't as well-travelled as you might expect. In 1867, Verne had bought a small boat, the Saint-Michel, which he successively replaced with newer and bigger boats as his financial situation improved, meaning he was actually able to travel more after Around the World in 80 Days was published than he had been before. Despite the global nature of the book, Verne's travel was mostly confined to Europe, and he visited North America only once. So where did the material for his detailed and accurate descriptions come from? It came from his lifelong passion for travel and adventure, combined with his dedication to thorough research, spending hours of his day researching at the Bibliothèque Nationale, France's national library. The seeds for Verne's passion for travel and exploration were sown during his childhood, which he mostly spent in the maritime city of Nantes in northwest France. His family even spent some time living in a house right on the bank of the Loire River, the river that runs through Nantes and brings in all the different sea vessels. Throughout his childhood, Verne would have been surrounded by all kinds of different ships going off to all kinds of different destinations, and it would have been a constant reminder of the world that was out there that he had not yet explored. There is a popular legend about Verne that was circulated after he became famous. A legend that says as a young boy he tried to enlist as a cabin boy on a ship headed for the West Indies, but was intercepted by his father before the ship reached the sea, and was consequently made to promise his father that he would hereafter travel only in the imagination. While the exact truth behind this legend has been up for debate among different scholars, it is undeniable that Van did do a lot of travelling in his imagination, translating his immense research into exciting and gripping adventure stories. It is not just his passion for travel that shines through his work, though, 
but also his passion for science and his admiration for the scientific developments that were taking place throughout his lifetime. Around the World in 80 Days is a testament to the technological advancements that had been made in the transport industry at the time Byrne was writing. For example, the invention of clipper ships demonstrated how shipbuilders were committed to making ships that were lighter and as fast as possible. This industry became so competitive that the fastest times were recorded in newspapers to be compared and marvelled at. Meanwhile, steamships, which had been invented before Verne was even born, were now becoming increasingly popular, and they were gradually replacing other ships, such as sailing ships. Steamships were popular because they could carry lots of heavy goods across the oceans, but could also travel along rivers, and they were constantly being developed throughout the time Verne was writing. In the 1850s, the compound steam engine was developed, and this made steamers more efficient as they required less coal than before, and they were also therefore cheaper and more people could use them as a means of transport. The compound engine was then further developed to have multiple expansions, as this would make the engine even more efficient, and by the 1870s, the decade in which Around the World in 80 Days was published, the triple expansion steam engine had been invented, and the journey across the Atlantic, which had previously taken months on a sailing ship, can now be accomplished in a matter of mere days. These developments in steamships are significant because in Phileas Fogg's original itinerary, as listed in the Morning Chronicle, he was planning to make the journey entirely by using steamships and railways. Railways too were undergoing huge developments during this time, and it's worth exploring the importance of imperialism and the role the British Empire was playing in these technological advancements, and therefore the role it plays in Verne's novel. The British Empire was fuelled by a passion for trade and making profit during this time, and therefore it was in their interest to be making ships and trains faster and more efficient, as this would facilitate trade across the globe and maximise profits. However, the British Empire's ambition did not extend only to trade, but also to ensuring complete control of its colonies. In 1857, the Indian Mutiny had taken place, where Indian soldiers had mutinied over the use of Enfield rifles, rifles which in fact feature in the book and they had started a rebellion against the British because using the Enfield rifles meant they were breaking certain rules in their respective religions. As India was a colony of the British Empire, this event greatly shook Britain's faith in their ability to rule, and so they took certain measures to preserve their power. One of these measures was to build up India's railway system, so that they could move troops around the country more quickly in case another mutiny started. In the years following the Indian mutiny, 3,000 miles of railway tracks were laid at the tremendous rate of 2 miles a day. We even see this development in Around the World in 80 Days, when Phileas Fogg is delayed on his journey through India because the railway has not yet finished being built. We also discover that this particular region therein, Bundelkhand, has remained outside British control, and perhaps Byrne is pointing out to us the connection between the extent of Britain's railways and the extent of Britain's colonial control. Another imperial reference that's made is to the Suez Canal, a canal in Egypt which opened in 1869 and connects the Mediterranean to the Red Sea. The Suez Canal became vital to the British Empire, as it made their journey to India 6,000 miles shorter, as they didn't have to go around the Cape of Africa. The Suez Canal was also essential to Phileas Fogg's journey. Going around the world in 80 days was only possible because the canal saved so much time on the journey from Europe to Asia. As well as the expansion of the Indian railways and the opening of the Suez Canal, the third major technological advancement that the concept of around the world in 80 days depended on was the completion of the first transcontinental railroad in America. 
In the book, this railroad allows Phileas Fogg to travel from west to east across the United States, starting in San Francisco and ending in New York. And in real life, the railroad made travel a lot more efficient, as you could take the same mode of transport continually across the country. It was also a lot cheaper, as the cost of travelling across America dramatically decreased from $1,000 to only $150. And it also generally made the journey much safer, as people no longer had to rely on dangerous and exposed wagon trains, although they were still at risk from attack, as we discover when Phileas Fogg and his companions are attacked by the Sioux tribe. Planned since 1832, the Transcontinental Railroad was finally finished in 1869, just a few years before Around the World in 80 Days was published, and demonstrating just how aware and up-to-date Verne was of the technological advancements happening around him. Global travel was just becoming possible for ordinary people, and everyone was marvelling at the new inventions that meant journeys that would have taken weeks or months were taking hours or days. The excitement people felt towards this technology is evidence in how popular Verne's works were when they were first published, and the fact that writing about this technology had become a popular entertainment. To make his book feel even more current, Verne even chose to have Phyllis Fogg's meticulously timed journey end on the 21st of December 1872, the same date as its serial publication. But why has Verne's work remained popular to this day? With our modern day transports, the journey that took Phyllis Fogg 80 days would take us less than 80 hours, and that the idea of travelling through all these countries still appeals to us. Verne skillfully takes us not only to another place, but also to a different time. We are invited to join Phileas Fogg and his companions as they rise to the challenge of attempting this thrilling journey under a huge time pressure, and find ourselves sucked into the excitement and adventure of the story that fuels the book even more than the technology does. That brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you for listening, and I hope you've enjoyed learning about the scientific advancements that not only inspired Verne to write this book, but made it possible to even imagine travelling around the world in 80 days. If you've enjoyed today's episode and would like to hear more, you're welcome to subscribe to receive updates of future episodes, or follow text and context on Instagram to hear about our upcoming texts. <laughs>